The state looks to improve how it tests for certain toxic chemicals known as PFAS. And a hearing in Lancaster County focuses on what one embattled farmer's raw milk does for customers' health. Welcome to The Morning Agenda, WITF's daily news podcast where the only agenda is you. Good morning and happy Friday. It is March 1st. Welcome to a brand new month. This is being recorded at 6.48 a.m. I'm your host, Tim Lambert, as we take this daily trip around the region's top stories together. Drinking water providers in Pennsylvania must now test for toxic chemicals known as PFAS to meet new state regulations. Zoe Reed with our partner WHYY in Philadelphia reports the State Department of Environmental Protection wants more testing equipment as part of Governor Josh Shapiro's proposed budget. PFAS chemicals are found in products from nonstick cookware to firefighting foam. They can remain in the environment and our bloodstreams for years. The chemicals have been linked to serious health problems, including some cancers. DEP lab technicians currently test drinking water and wastewater in the same equipment. Cleaning in between samples means time wasted. DEP Interim Acting Secretary Jessica Shirley says new equipment would double the department's testing capabilities. The new equipment will allow DEP to be more efficient and process these samples quicker so that we'll have results faster and we'll better be able to identify where these sources of contamination are. So larger water providers have until this month to complete their first PFAS samples under new state regulations. Governor Josh Shapiro is creating an election threats task force. My colleague Ben Wasserstein reports it's intended to ensure a safe, free, and secure Election. The task force will be made up of local, state, and federal groups. These include the State National Guard and Department of Military and Veterans Affairs and the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. Commonwealth Secretary Al Schmidt says the task force is developing plans to combat misinformation and provide voters with accurate election information. Now, the administration and Department of State are increasing face-to-face public interactions and providing nonpartisan information on the voting process. They've also created a fact-check website that can be found on vote.pa.gov. That is vote.pa.gov. The leaders of Pennsylvania's four state-related universities have fielded questions from the state's House Appropriations Committee. Ann Danahy is with our friends at WPSU and State College, and she reports Penn State President Neely Bendapudi is making the case about why the university should get more state funding. Penn State has not seen an increase in funding from the state in recent years. President Bendapudi told legislators that stagnant state funding does matter. Other states are investing way more in higher education and it will have an impact on our economy and our future. The hearing comes as Bendapudi has been making budget cuts to many of Penn State's colleges and departments. The Commonwealth campuses are slated to see an overall funding drop of 14 percent in fiscal year 2026. Bendapudi has also been making the case that Penn State ranks last when it comes to state support per in-state student. She continued that message during the appropriations hearing. This is not a plea to take away from anybody, but it's a desperate plea to all of you to please bring us to parity. Governor Josh Shapiro has proposed increasing funding to Penn State, Pitt, Temple, and Lincoln universities by 5% in the upcoming budget year. 
And state leaders say school districts stand to save millions of dollars from proposed cyber charter reforms. The governor's budget proposal would cap the amount districts must pay charters at $8,000 per student. State Secretary of Education Khalid Momin says doing so would save districts money without hurting students. The education programming should not, shall not be compromised. Um, we're looking at the difference between uh, face-to-face brick-and-mortar uh, education versus or uh, in comparison to charter education, which happens online. Education leaders say the proposed cap would also put spending in line with the actual cost of serving those students. When I got in the office this morning at around oh dark 30, let's say 4.30, I got ready for morning edition and then went through about a dozen news sites across central Pennsylvania to check for stories to put on your radar today. Here they are. A Lancaster County judge had one question after hearing testimony from food safety experts and customers about what Amos Miller's raw milk does for their health. Why doesn't Miller just get a permit to sell it, the judge asked. Our sister newsroom, LNP Lancaster Online, reports a hearing on the case was on the narrow question of whether the judge should extend an injunction stopping Miller from producing and selling raw milk and products while a State Department of Agriculture lawsuit against him plays out. The agency sued Miller on January 24th, saying his business does not have permits to sell raw milk or raw cheese, nor does it have a required retail license. The move followed a January 4th raid on the farm in Upper Laycock Township, which in turn was prompted by two illnesses late last year traced to Miller's raw eggnog. Miller's lawyer says his client's position is the department is incorrect in its interpretation of what can be sold. Now, the farmer is under a consent decree with the federal government that resolved a years-long battle over federal meat inspection laws, and that requires him to follow state regulations. A York County school district is set to enact a policy stipulating that parents must sign off on the pronouns used by students, but exempts staff from honoring those pronouns based on their beliefs. The York Dispatch reports the proposal in the Southwestern School District was drafted by the Independence Law Center, a Harrisburg-based Christian law firm. It passed the first of two school board votes last night and is similar to one the Red Lion Area School District passed in June, also with the help of the group. Southwestern's own solicitor discouraged the board from pursuing policies that could put the district in violation of federal Title IX protections because of the prospect of legal liability. But the board president has claimed ILC would cover potential legal bills. However, no provision stating that exists in the district's initial draft contract with the group. By the way, that contract was put on hold last night. Now, ILC has been experiencing a growing influence in York County. It's already consulted with Central York on policies related to library materials and Red Lion on policies related to which bathroom students can use, which sports teams they can compete on, and even what pronouns they can use. The dispatch also reports the Northern York County School Board and Dover Area School Board both recently added the ILC as a special counsel and plans to seek the group's advice on topics such as student privacy and facility use. The Morning Agenda is available anywhere you find your favorite podcast and on WITF's YouTube channel, which you can subscribe to. You can also find us on the NPR app. Be sure to check out our brand new monthly Spotify playlist for March. It's called The Morning Agenda Song of the Day, March 2024. And we're going to kick things off this month with ACDC's Highway to Hell. 
And that is going to do it for the morning agenda. It's a daily news podcast from WITF, where the only agenda is you. I'm your host, Tim Lambert. Thank you so much for listening today. I always appreciate your company. So be well, enjoy the weekend, and we'll talk again on Monday.